Okay, bye. Morning, everyone. And very welcome to our service this morning. And for those that are watching online as well, you're very welcome to join us. Can I give an extra special welcome to uh, our SISM team this morning? They're divided into three. Uh, we have a third of them here, so uh, just very, very welcome. And uh, 300 children signed up within 10 minutes for SISM. Uh, so <laughs> they have a lot on their hands, a lot on their plate this week. So please continue to pray for them throughout the week. And uh, there'll be an evening with the SISM team this evening at 6.30 p.m. in Ballycrocken Baptist Church. So everyone's very welcome uh, to that. Um, and I would encourage you to go to that. Um, also, SISM are going to be using our church here tomorrow, so I wonder if there are any guys or strong women who would like to put away uh, some seats and sort of clear the room a wee bit for them at the end. We'd appreciate that. Um, just to remind you that you should be getting the church weekend report out that uh, Barry has done for us. Um, if you can read that over the summer, uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, hopefully by September, uh, and pray about it. And Barry has a particular prayer in here that you can go through and use yourself about what God wants to do, um, looking for what God wants to do, being sensitive to what God wants to do in our church, in us and through us, in our church and in our community in the coming year. So please read that, and we'll probably get Barry to, to talk a wee bit about it come either the end of August or early September. Um, as you know, the service of commissioning for Ben Cavan is next Sunday, the 14th of August, at half past three. Uh, please, you're very welcome to come along to that. And if you want to stay behind for some refreshments, please let Muriel know, just so that she can uh, cater for that. Um, a reminder that the Bradley Hall complex will be unavailable from Monday the 15th of August until Monday the 29th of August for essential cleaning. And this will include major work on the floor of the Bradley Hall, which must not be walked on uh, during the period. And a request from the property and maintenance team for volunteers to paint the big hall in the SPU before the end of August. If you can help, please contact Lorraine Wilson. And they were looking for sofas as well. If you have a sofa uh, that's in reasonable condition, but you're getting rid of, that would be great. Okay. Let's just, uh, I want to start our service with 1 Timothy this morning. 1 Timothy 1, verses 14 to 15. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your grace in abundance. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the faith that you have sown in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, which has no end. May we know the closeness of the Godhead amongst us today. May our hearts rise to you, to meet you, Lord, may we leave this place today knowing that we have met you in the worship or in the word or in the encouragement and fellowship that we have afterwards, that we have met with you without a doubt. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. 
So we're going to stand and we're going to sing a, a good old oldie, How Great Thou Art. Let's stand and worship God. Shout.
If you have a Bible, you want to open it at Genesis chapter 4, Genesis 4, verses 1 to 16. Genesis 4, verses 1 to 16. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was very downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work with the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I'm going to invite Luke Sherwin, who is is leading the SISM team. Um, He's going to come and do... Uh, a children's come family address. Okay. If you just. Hello. Good morning. Thank you so much for the very warm welcome uh, this morning. I'm going to share with you just really briefly. Um, does anyone remember in June time there was quite a big historic event? And it meant that we got a a couple of extra days off school, a couple of extra days off work. There was a big event. Does anyone remember what it was? Yeah, the Jubilee, absolutely. And what were we remembering or celebrating at the Jubilee? We were looking to the Queen, the Queen who rules over our country. We were celebrating her power and her authority over us. And that's why I've brought with me this morning my lovely little crown. Because it looks lovely, doesn't it? Thank you. Uh, Because this week at SISM, we have a theme that is the king and the kingdom. And just like we celebrated the Jubilee, we're looking at a really special king. And the queen served for 70 years. But this king that we're looking at this week has served and reigned for way longer than that. Way, way longer. 
than just 70 years. And so we're looking this week with the, the boys and girls at SISM about a perfect kingdom that our king created. And we're going to see stories from throughout the Bible that tell us about that kingdom. And then I, wanted, I wanted to look this morning at this passage that we've just read together. Right at the start of the kingdom. When the kingdom was first made, and whenever God made it a perfect place for people to dwell, people made a few mistakes. And here we see two brothers. I'll take my crown off. Here we see two brothers, Cain and Abel. And you see, in God's kingdom, God had some very simple rules and instructions for his people. He wanted them to give their everything for him. He wanted them to lay down their lives for him, to be with him in relationship. That's all God wanted was relationship with his people. And so we meet Cain and we meet Abel. We see Abel who's been given the watch over lots of sheep out in the fields and we see Cain who's looking after the trees and the plants and all of the wonderful fruit that comes off that. And when we read this story, we see these two people are, are going to give God something as an offering. They want to show God in his perfect kingdom that they're thankful what he has given and so Abel brings the firstborn of his flock a perfect sheep a sheep that is spotless and has no blemish at all something that is so valued by Abel and Cain brings along some of the fruit that he's collected and God sees these offerings and really appreciates the offering that Abel brings and Cain his brother is really, really frustrated. We read in the, in the passage that he's downcast and really angry. And you see, what we can learn from this story this morning is that God really cares about the motives of our heart. God really cares about our hearts. Because Abel came and brought the very best that he had to offer. Whereas Cain, you can see from his reaction, he's really annoyed, frustrated, and jealous. And so Cain does something really bad and attacks and kills his brother. And so when we look at the kingdom that God offers to us today and for the rest of time, God cares about the state of our heart. And what he wants is to have a relationship with us. And so this week at Sism, we're going to see the sweep of the kingdom of how we, uh, how we were created at the start and where we're going to in the future. And all throughout that, we're going to see how we can get our hearts right and our relationships with God good again after it had been broken. So thank you very much for listening. Very brief. Thank you, Luke. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to interview Luke in a wee minute. We're going to sing first. Uh, we're going to sing, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands.
if the Bible class want to go out, they're free to go out now. If they want to stay, they're free to stay. Very welcome. Uh, anybody for Sunday Club as well, if they want to go out, now is the time. Um, okay, I'm just going to ask uh, Luke to come up again, just to take the microphone. Right, look. <laughs> I'll come down here. <laughs> um, I must tell you this, I hope I don't embarrass you, look. But um, last Sunday, Tom Henry said to me, I must get you out for a cup of coffee with Luke this week to introduce you to him. So that was all right. And then I went home and told my wife, I'm going out with that's Luke Sherwin. We're going out for a cup of coffee, hopefully this week. And she says... That's the fellow that danced with Leah in Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> we'll get you to do a couple of moves in a minute. But that's the guy that's danced with Leah at Strictly Come Dancing. He used to hold in Stramillis every year for a charity event for Fields of Life. So Leah danced with... And I, I didn't recognize him. You know, I wouldn't recognize him. I wouldn't have remembered the name, but my wife told me. It's hard to recognize me because he was so dazzled by my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Blown away. I actually was using a broomstick as well. That's right. Very complicated routine. It was. So anyway, I've got a couple of questions to look for you. Um, where are you from and how long have you been doing SISM? Okay, so yes, my name is Luke. I am from Marlow. I live just, just right there, like literally there. So I've grown up in this area in Ballycrocken all of my life, pretty much. Uh, I've grown up attending Silver Birch Evangelical Church. Um, and so I am a very local to the Ballycrocken area boy. Uh, so it's a real blessing to be at SISM. I started volunteering at SISM when I was 17 in 2015. And so this is my seventh year now being able to serve on team. Um, obviously we missed a year because of COVID, um, but we're here and we're very excited. So seventh year, the charm, I think. Fantastic. Um, what's the vision of SISM? Well, you know, what, if you were to put it down to one main goal, what is its main goal? Well, I guess this year we're looking, as I've mentioned already, at the theme of the king and the kingdom. Um, that's our goal, I guess, this year, is to show every child and young person that comes, ranging from four years old up to 16 years old, that there is a king out there who rules and will rule over all of eternity, and we are invited into his kingdom. He is not forcing us, he is not making us, but we are invited freely to join this kingdom through Christ. And so our goal, ideally, is that all of the children and young people that come along will meet that king personally and will have that heart transformation and their lives will be changed as they enter into God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you. Uh, what would you like us to pray for? There's a couple of things you would like us yeah, to pray for. Totally. So with, with waiting lists and with uh, people dropping out and with people, two children broke their arms yesterday that were meant to come. Crazy. Uh, I guess there's about 250 children who will hopefully be able to attend um, now with people dropping out. So pray for those 250 children and young people. They will come from all sorts of backgrounds. They will be coming from the local area, they'll be coming from the wider Bangor area. Pray for them and their situations at home that they might be able to come to Sicily and forget about it all and just encounter Jesus personally. Uh, pray for safety and protection. What I wrote down earlier when I was thinking about these was 
protection from injury, from illness, but also from spiritual attack. It's one that we're very aware of for both the leaders and the kids. Some of these kids will encounter Jesus and then go back to their family situations and that will be not met well and will not be received well. So pray for those kids. Pray for us as we get tired and as we get to the end of the week, as we're exhausted. Pray that we would be able to cling on to Jesus in the midst of that. I just pray that we would be able to point them all towards the King through our songs, through our games, through our quizzes, through our memory verses, not just through our talks, but also through all of the other things. So that would right. be super. Thanks. Thanks, Luke. I wonder, could I get you all up? Could you mind coming up? Let everybody have a look at you. <laughs> so they, these are a third and and curtis and amy are also from our own church are, are also leaders um, so please try and take a photograph in your mind uh, keep it in your memory of these folk and don't forget to pray for them during the week and uh, we really do appreciate what you guys are doing every year and i must admit this is my first ever season but i'm very impressed and it's tremendous what you have been doing already um, so let me just pray, and let's all pray together for these, for these young people. Father, we just we love to see a passion for Jesus Christ in young people. Lord, it's not just something for the old that gives us heart. That, Father, when we see these young people so keen to, to lead children to know the King of Kings and to know Christ personally, Lord, that thrills our hearts. That is just tremendous. And we just pray that you would be with them. Because, Father, we know that whenever you start to do a work like this um, in the area, when you start on the front foot moving forward into kids' lives, Lord, there, the enemy doesn't like it. And there will be spiritual attacks, and there will be uh, disappointments, and there will be stuff that the enemy tries to hinder us or schism from, from doing. And we just pray that you would protect them, that you'd put your wall of protection around them, that, Lord, you put your hand on every person, every young person that's come to do it. Father, that you would anoint them, anoint what they have to say. If there's drama, anoint that. Anoint everything, the relationships with the children. Lord, may Christ be seen in them and working through them. And, Lord, may it go further than just the children. May it go through to the parents and make them think. Lord, from a child, Lord, talking about the gospel in their home, may it make them think about eternity and about their soul. And Lord, we just pray that you would, ha we pray that they would have a tremendous time of fun as well, Father. And, and for, for leaders that maybe are doing this for the first time and are apprehensive and very nervous, God, give them your peace and may you assure them that they, that you are with them no further away than their right arm and living right within them. Lord, look after them and give them a tremendous day, Lord, that they can look back on and see your hand at work. Lord, we pray for the relationships amongst the leaders because sometimes with so many leaders it can be, there can be a bit of friction and tension. We just pray for peace in that, Lord, that they might be like a family. And so we ask these things. We pray for the service tonight, Lord, that many would come and be encouraged by what you are doing. Lord, we hear a lot during the week um, on our news what the enemy is doing. Father, may we come tonight and may throughout this week, may we get accounts more and more and rejoice in what you are doing. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King of Kings, 
and our Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to sing a, a chorus, which is one of my favorites. It's about still in our hearts before God. And we've been thinking the last couple of weeks about meditating on Scripture and focusing on the Lord. So we're going to, this is a, a prayer really, and we're going to stand and we're just going to still our hearts before the Word of God comes to us. And we finished our, our series on the Philippians, uh, the letter to the Philippian church last Sunday. Uh, from now to about mid-September, we'll look at different things, miscellaneous points, and then we'll start probably mid-September doing a series on prayer, which then can be carried over into um, our discipleship groups. So, um, but what I want to look at this morning, something I feel that God really put on my heart during the week, it's uh, the parable of the lost son. It's Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11 to 32. Um, let's read the word of God. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, 
Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to the census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he'd come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never give me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. Come by before him now in reverence and fear. In him no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in us. And lead us, Lord, in the way everlasting. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. There's a Spanish story about a father and a son who had become estranged, had fallen out with one another. The son ran away. The father set off to find him. He searched for months. He couldn't find him anywhere. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, when Saturday came, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. I want to speak this morning on the pain of a father. The pain of a father. 
And Jesus tells us there were two sons. The younger one said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And basically what he was saying was, I'm not willing to wait until you're dead and buried. Dad, give us what I am due now. I want it now. And so what a dilemma his father was in. He has to make a choice. Either he could say, no, you're not getting it. You're staying here with me. Or he could decide to give it to him and hope that one day, of his own accord, that he would choose to come back to the family home again. But he decides to let him go. But it's complicated because in order to give him half of the estate, he needs to sell half of the estate. So he does that and then gives the young lad all the money in his hand, wishes him all the best, and off he goes to a foreign land. And the father's heart is breaking. And we're told that he goes, Jesus says that he goes to a foreign land, he squanders all his money on wild living. He's at parties, nightclubs, booze, women. He had plenty of friends when he had plenty of money. They were happy enough to spend it for him. But then we're told a famine hits this land, and it's a very severe famine. He's no money. He's no home. He's no food. And he ends up feeding pigs, which is the lowest job imaginable for a Jew who considers a pig, very unclean animal. He's just hit rock bottom. It's the first time in his life that he's ever had hunger pangs in his stomach. Even the pods, we're told, look tasty to him. He wants to try them himself. He is absolutely starving, smelly, lost, alone, frightened. And, uh, you know, people, though, can be very judgmental, can't they? And I imagine that Jesus, talking to the the people that are listening, there were Pharisees, there were scribes, there were elders, there were ordinary folk, and I imagine that some of them were being very judgmental, like we can be today. And they probably, some of them, thought to themselves, he's feeding, feeding the pigs, slap it in them, slap it in them. He he totally disgraced his father the way he demanded half the land and went off and he squandered it all. He's feeding the pigs now. Well, slap it in them. I have no sympathy for him. But that's not so with his father. His father's breaking his heart. His father's worried, sick about him. He's checking the lane maybe one, two, three times a day, going to the top of the lane, looking down the lane to see if there's any sign of his, fa- of his son coming home. And every day doubts should have done, did I do the right thing, letting him go, should have made him stay. I, I just don't know what was the right thing to do. And he's worried sick about his son. Well, days ran into weeks and weeks ran into months. And then one day while he's feeding the pigs, his son, he sits down to take stock of his life. He's sitting among these pigs in the pigsty and he's mucked to the eyeballs and he's stinking. And he misses his family, especially misses his dad. And he sits there in absolute misery. And then we're told, coming to the senses, he says to himself, what am I doing? This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Here I am 
absolutely starving. If only I could get back to my dad. If only I could get back home again, where I'm safe again, where I'm loved again. If only I could get back there. The servants, he says, back on my father's farm have have all they need and more. And yet here I am, starving, I'm hungry, my stomach hurts with the cramps within me. I'm hungry. He decides, yes, I'll go home. And as he sits there on his tea break, among the pigs, he begins to rehearse his apology in his head. I, I say, Father, I've messed up. I really messed up. I'm sorry. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. You know, the way that I hurt you, the way I left you, I know I'm not worthy to be called your son, but please take me as one of your servants. You know, I'm happy to live out the rest of my days in the dorms with the servants. And Jesus tells us, so he got up and went to his father. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, His father is still looking out for him once a day, twice a day, three times a day, looking down the lane. Is he coming? Is he coming? And then one day, he sees this figure in the distance, and it looks familiar. The way he's walking looks a wee bit like the way my son walks. His stature, it looks a bit like him. And as he gets closer and closer, he realizes it's his own son. And he just bubbles up, is consumed with love for him. And there's tears running down his face. And he just, he lifts up his robes and he begins to run down the lane. A very uncool and very unsophisticated thing to do, especially in the Middle East. But stuff, all of that, stuff being uncool, stuff being lacking in sophistication. His son is home, and that's all he cared about. And he just lifted his robes up, the tears coming down his face. He's screaming as he goes down the lane, and he can't wait till he gets and reaches his son. When he reaches his son, he just grabs him and hugs him. And his son is being on one of those big bear hugs that you get in Northern Ireland, you know, one of those types. My dad used to give bear hugs like that. Took the, took the very air out of you. And his father is just giving a big bear hug to his son, who he hasn't seen for such a long time. And as his dad grabs him and hugs him, he begins his apology, which he's rehearsed. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father's hugging him so tightly and so hard, he can hardly get the words out. And... Uh, he, the father's going, well, what was that, son? What was that? What was that you're saying? Good grief, son. You're, you're an absolute mess. Take those dirty clothes off. He gets the servants. He says, go and get my best robe, the one that's hanging in my closet, and go and get my sandals, the Nike ones, not the cheap stuff. Go and get the good ones and put them on him. And he's saying, Dad, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. And he's going, boy, you've got a queer whiff on you. You need a bar of soap or something, son, no offense. He said, Dad, you're not listening. I have sinned against you. The things that you advised me to do when I was a child, I went out and did them. 
sorry, the things you advised me not to do, I went out and did them. I broke all the rules. I did the things that you told me never to do. I don't deserve to be your son. I will be your servant instead of your son. I'm happy to be your servant. And the father, tears run down his face. Tears, tears, tears. But son, you must realize something. You have to realize something. And you need to get it in here. I love you. And I'll always love you. Now shut up about being a servant. You're my son. I'm giving you my ring to prove it. So the robe goes on, the ring goes on. He tells his, his servants, go and kill the fatted calf because we're going to celebrate tonight because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We're told by Jesus that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. The word repent, it means to have a change of mind. It means to turn away from a sinful lifestyle which is hurting you, isn't doing you any good, it's hurting you, and come back to your Father, come back to God, come home. Now, listening to Jesus, the crowd probably assumes that this is the end of the story. They, they put away their Kleenex tissues and they've had a wee cry and they think that was a lovely end and that was a nice happy story. The sun's come back again. Everything's great. But it's not finished. Jesus isn't finished yet. And the twist in this story is that there are two lost sons. Not one, but two. Now one has been found. The youngest son has been found. But the eldest son is still not found. Now, everyone knows his geographical location. They know where he is. They know he's out working in the fields. But he's still lost. He, bear, he hears the party going on in the house. He calls over a servant, asks him what's going on. It's amazing. Your brother's come home and your dad's killed the fatted calf just to celebrate his safe, and safe return. He's over the moon. Come on into the house. And the elder brother goes, no thanks. No, 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 no. No thanks. Can't do it. Jesus tells us that the older brother, he becomes angry, refuses to go into the house. He, he feels bitterness. He feels jealousy. He feels pride. He feels resentment. He feels hatred. And the anger is just all bubbling up inside him. And his father comes out looking for him. What's going on, son? Why aren't you coming in? And he pleads for him to come in. And it's then that the father gets the fury of the elder brother's tongue. He says, I have worked for you all of these years. I've kept this farm going by my hard work. Early mornings, late evenings, week in, week out, year in, year out. I have done all of this for you. I have never, ever disobeyed you. And you, what have you given me in return? You haven't even offered me a goat that I can have a nice barbecue on a Friday night with my friends. Yet he, 
my young brother, he takes half of what you own and goes and drinks it away and spends it on prostitutes. But yet when he comes home, you kill the fatted calf, which by the way I was fattening up and keeping for a very special occasion, you kill that fatted calf for him. It's not fair. It's just not fair. And many of the listeners then, and many of us today, if we heard such a story, we might go, well, he has a good point. He's a very good point. The poor father, he's just got one son home, and now he's in danger of losing the other. But how is this son lost? How is the older brother lost? You know, he seems to have done everything right. He looks like a good son you'd be proud of. So what's wrong? How is he lost? It's his pride, you say. His pride won't let him come back into the home. You know, if he, if he had a good relationship with his father, he'd have known how anxious he was for his other son. He'd have felt for him and even rejoiced when his son came back. Even it was just rejoicing in the fact that now the burden was taken off the father. But there was no relationship there between the elder son and the father. There was no love from this son to the father. He's been living at the same address, but he might as well have been living a million miles away. Pride keeps us away from our family home. Pride keeps us away from God. Do you know what's easier for someone who's gone off the rails, like the younger brother who's messed up and made mistake after mistake after mistake and blown everything? It's easier for him to come into the kingdom of God than it is for someone who is self-righteous and proud because they don't see any need to say sorry. They don't see anything that they've done wrong. The young man was a broken man, and he comes running with apologies into the arms of his father. The self-righteous son, the proud son, he sees no need to apologize. He doesn't see that his pride is keeping him away from returning home. It's keeping him away from being in the arms of his father. Do not let pride stop you from coming to God. We're told every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. We've failed, we've missed the target, every single one of us. And we need a Savior. And without a Savior, we're lost. And whether you're lost as the young son was lost, or whether you're lost as the elder son was lost, you're still lost. And this father then, in response to this elder brother in your heart, is just breaking for this father because he just loves his sons and would give anything for them. He speaks tenderly to his eldest son. He says, my son, you're always with me. And I just assumed that you knew that everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, he was dead and is alive. He was lost, but is found. 
So the story ends, the curtain falls, Jesus leaves it hanging. What happens? We don't know. What happens to the eldest son? Does the son hug his father and go into the home and enjoy the party? Or does he sleep in the barn because his pride won't let him come back into the family home? Jesus allows you and I to finish the story. He allows the listeners there to finish the story for themselves. How would you finish it? Cast yourself as the elder brother. What would you do if you were the elder brother? Two lost sons. One's come back. What will happen to the other? If you were the other, what would you do? You know, we don't have to travel too far to find both sons. You only need to go to Calvary, really. One's hanging on the cross beside Jesus. That's the younger brother. And the other is at the foot of the cross shouting abuse at Jesus. That's the elder brother, self-righteous man. And the man hanging beside Jesus, the younger brother, is there for thieving. He's been a rascal. He's been a wild boy. But he's there for thieving. But he turns to Jesus at the last moment and by the grace of God gets right with God. The elder brother, he could be any of the scribes or the Pharisees standing at the foot of the cross. Jesus told them that they'd sinned, but they didn't like that message. They don't like being called sinners, especially not when they're sons of Abraham. Didn't like that message. Hurt their pride, hurt their ego. Got Jesus on the cross and hurled abuse at him from the foot of the cross. The younger brother on the cross elder brother at the foot of the cross. Please don't allow pride to stop you coming to find forgiveness and peace with God. And please don't let pride stop you from coming to talk to me about giving your life to Christ. Don't you be thinking, oh, what's Mark going to think of me coming? He probably thought I was a follower of Christ. I'll only embarrass myself if I come. Not at all. That's pride. I'll be jumping for joy, just like the heaven jumps for joy, when someone comes to faith for Christ, no matter what age, no matter what denomination, no matter where they are in the so-called made-up made scale of life. I want you just to come to Christ. Because we all need to come to Christ. I started with that verse about where Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. He wasn't being humble about it. He genuinely meant that. I'm the chief. I've been there. I've done that. I've worn the T-shirt. I've messed up. And I can say the same. My testimony is the same. Be careful of pride. It caused the Satan to fall. It caused Adam to fall. And you know what? It's kept many a self-righteous religious person from finding peace with God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
for your grace. And Lord, that we know nobody needs to tell us that we have failed. Nobody needs to tell us, Lord, that we've missed the mark when it comes to our lives, the sin in our lives. But I thank you, God, that your grace is much bigger than anything that we have ever done and is able to deal with anything that we have ever done, said, or thought that has been not in line with your will. We thank you for your love, Father. In this passage, we see the love of God in the Father. We see the love of God as God breaks his heart for these two sons and wants them to come home. I pray, Lord, that we may not break your heart a moment longer, but that we would come home. In Jesus Christ's name, that we would come through Christ, get right with you, and know the robe of righteousness upon us, part of the family, not living in the dorms, but living in the presence of God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to finish with uh, our final hymn, which is an amazing hymn. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can sing it with all your heart because it's amazing grace. It's amazing that God loved us. It's amazing that Christ died for us. It's amazing that God wants us to be his children and to be with him. So that's amazing Amazing grace. Let's stand and worship God.
May I just remind you that if you're not rushing away, um, there's a cup of tea or a cup of coffee for you. And any of the, anybody would like to help just clean up the, the church a wee bit, clear the church for the group tomorrow coming. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.